excited for our conversation tonight. Hello to everyone who is joining us. If you are new to me or my page or Get Launch Consulting Conversations, I'm going to do like a quick kind of overview of myself and and Get Launch Consulting, and then we're going to jump into a conversation tonight. And so my name is Dr. Erica Jordan-Thomas. I am a former teacher, former principal, and I am also an entrepreneur. And so I have two businesses. I have my personal consulting business, EJT Consulting LLC, which provides professional learning experiences to school leaders. And then I have my second business, Get Launch Consulting, which is a business development program for high-performing educators from marginalized communities that provides them the business tools to grow a six-figure consulting business. So tonight, we are talking to an alum of Get Launch Consulting to learn all about her journey and launching and growing her business. And so I want you all to show some love in the chat for Alexandria Corwin, who is one of the most thoughtful, analytical, strategic educators that I know. I have to tell this quick story, which like, for me, it just says so much about who you are and your values. So we had a coaching session probably a couple of months ago. And as soon as like we jumped in, she was like, can I share a screen? And I was like, sure. And like, she had this presentation and she had like, I, I want to make sure we got the most of our time. Here are my questions, here are a scenario. And I was like, yes, girl, let's get to the, let's get to the crux of it. And I think that just speaks so much around her intentionality, her focus, her vision that she has for her business. And I'm excited to jump into that tonight. So Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited you're here. And to kick us off, give us a little bit of your movie trailer. You already, we already got some hearts going. So welcome, Alexandria, with your, the hearts function here. But give us, give us your education movie trailer. So walk us through your pathway in education. Let us know some of the stops you made along the way. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'll start at college. I double majored in women and gender studies and African Black diaspora studies at DePaul University in Chicago. After college, I joined Teach for America, where I taught ninth grade physical science. And ninth grade, I will always miss it the best. I love teaching ninth grade. I love ninth graders. So at this point, I got really interested in making curriculum culturally relevant, as well as connecting it back to social justice. The following year, I taught seventh grade reading in Chicago, and I was also working part-time as a Sunday school educator and director at a Sunday school that focused on teaching social justice and Judaism. And then to do that. And I left the classroom and I became a community organizer and focused a lot on labor rights and educating folks on that and building community in that way. I got my master's after that point at Harvard in education. That's where I met you. And I had an incredible year of learning. Took so many classes, blew my mind in so many ways. And while I was uh, studying at Harvard, I was also running a school, uh, another Sunday school with over 100 kids focused on social justice. 
and kids ages from one to 13 and supervising a lot of teachers too. So I came back to Chicago where I am currently, where I, where I love, where my family and a lot of friends are. And I joined Teach for America and I was a director of leadership and I coached teachers, created adult education programming, did a lot of leadership development. And I was also teaching at a college, Education 101, to people who wanted to become educators as well and have that part of their practice, which was a ton of fun. And my business started taking off around a year ago. Oh, oh, wow. So this is, I'm already saying, someone put in the comments the word wow. <laughs> like, and hearing, hearing about your journey and your story. And this is always such an uh, interesting moment for me because even though every time we do get lunch consulting conversations, which is where we get to hear the stories of alums, I always learn something new. And I'm like, even I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, like, I didn't know that part of your story. I didn't know this part of your story. And at the same time, like, it just makes so much sense. Like when I think about your energy, your values and how you lead, it's like, oh, of course she would major in women and gender studies and African diaspora. Like, like, of course, that makes so much sense. Let's start at the very beginning of your journey. And when I say your journey, meaning your consulting journey, Give the people a little bit of um, context to like where you were professionally and then like what sparked this idea of, I think I want to start a, a consulting business. Mm-hmm. So I've, that answer is anchored in me as a little girl and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur so bad. Mm. And I was trying to make business plans for my babysitting business. <laughs> and I was yes. water your plants when you're out of town. So I had my ideas and I still have my ideas. Where I was, I did start a business four, four or five years ago, a totally different business because mm. I had this desire to be an entrepreneur. I was selling phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I was like, I have an in, I want to sell phone numbers. Like, I tried very hard and it just wasn't really where my heart was at the end of the day. But I did learn a bit from that. And I was always kind of thinking, what is, what is my business? What, what can I do? What can I create with my business? And so I was, I was working um, full time and I was getting some clients here and there, but I, you know, a, a few months into getting a lot of clients and for a lot of other reasons, I was like, let me, let me just try and do this as much as I can and, and put as much energy as I can into this. And so that's a, a bit of that story. So let's, let's just clarify a little bit for folks. So when you say you were working full time, where do you mean like you had a nine to five or you were working full time in your business? I had an, I had a nine to five. Okay. And so let's, let's kind of unpack a little bit of, let's first start with what was your, your, idea for this business because you're not new to entrepreneurship and I'm like first off how did you sell phone numbers like how does that work it's a quite a convoluted system but there were (laughs) that I got and then I was like okay who would want these phone numbers this number spelled this what businesses want a number that spell this oh so it's almost kind of like the 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 phone version of selling domains of like yeah a little bit First off, if you can sell phone numbers, okay, let's talk about the fact that you can sell anything if you can sell phone numbers. Yeah. Okay. Sales, which was like, and did a lot of cold calling. So that is so dope. I lease them because you can't 
really sell them. You're not to put, you, I lease them. So it was a whole thing, but I had a lot of fun doing it and I learned a lot. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's talk about at the, because first off your entrepreneurship story is really, really interesting. And so you just named for us that with you starting your education consulting business, that that actually wasn't your first time, you know, dabbling in entrepreneurship. Talk to us a little bit around like, how did you identify the problem that you were going to solve in your business? Because even just based off of your movie movie trailer, you have tons of different areas of expertise. And so how did you land on, all right, this is the problem that I want to build my business around? That is an important question that I think speaks to the evolution of my business too, because at the very beginning, I didn't necessarily have a specific problem that I wanted to solve and move towards. I was experimenting a lot and saying, Mm. these are all the things that I can do. This is how perhaps I can help you and help your organization. And through that, through experimenting a little bit, I was able to hone in on my problem even, even more. And the new phase of my business that I want to focus on is leadership development and, and leadership. But um, beginning, I would say a a large umbrella was diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And that's what I focus a majority of the work that I've done in this past year. And, and the problem being folks in varying nonprofits, not necessarily having the training or the background or skills or expertise to really make an, an impact and to, you know, at the, to be blunt, not, not in the process. And so thinking of that strategically and supporting folks in that was the problem that I wanted to solve that was personal to me. Mm. So, ooh, so naming something that's personal to you. Oh, I love that so much because I think one of the things that I've observed, even in my own journey, but also in, you know, the clients that I work with through Get Launch Consulting is that in education, we have normalized doing things that don't bring us joy. <laughs> like we have normalized, you know, because, you know, our roles in education require us to wear so many hats that oftentimes we find ourselves doing aspects of our role that that aren't necessarily joyful, but we just we just do it because we don't have a choice or we don't perceive that we have a choice. And I think that's one of the most challenging things early on in your business is now when you do get to have a choice, it's like, what am I really passionate about? Like, what am I, when I get to now center my own wants, desires, and needs, like you actually have to know what they are. And that can be really, um, it can be challenging for a lot of folks early stage. And so talk to us a little bit about how you experimented, because we talk about that a lot in the program. I always name that that early, early stage of your business is really about experimenting. And I think oftentimes people put this pressure on themselves that they have to have all the answers in their business as soon as they begin. And it actually doesn't work that way. So talk to give us a couple of examples of you, you kind of had this idea of DE&I work, so diversity, equity, and inclusion. But how did you experiment within that? What did that look like? So a lot of that understanding of how I experimented came later in the reflection period mm-hmm. and down after each contract and saying, what went really well? What did I enjoy? What was I good at, but maybe didn't enjoy? What was I awesome at, but maybe didn't love? And just really reflecting on that. And I would say that I, I experimented with a lot of service models. 
So for example, having a long-term consulting contract as a consultant project-based, that was something that I did. One-time trainings was something that I did as well. And then also just one-on-one coaching and consulting. Mm -hmm. And so having my hands in those different pots made me really understand what I liked, what I didn't love, and just where to go from there. And I felt that when clients sometimes come to you and they know the expertise that you have and the variety of backgrounds that you have and how you can help them, you can kind of lead them too in ways that you can work together, right? So maybe uh, if you do want to try project-based consulting or just one-on-one coaching, you could try offering that and seeing what they say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a really interesting point that you're bringing up is one of the ways in which you can experiment in your business is experimenting with your service model. And, and another option is you could experiment with the problem you're solving, right? Of <laughs> Like, you might be doing some DEI work, some instructional coaching work. You know, you might do some one-on-one work with families and students that are all solving different problems. And that is okay to do that early on in your business just to be able to get some data and feedback around how did that go? Did I enjoy it? Did it like give me energy? Am I excited by it? And what you gave us was an example of how to experiment is experimenting through your actual service model. So you named coaching. You named a project-based, which for our folks who are listening, project-based are essentially any type of service that you have some type of deliverable for a client. And it could be building a curriculum. It could be building a program, something where there's an output that is usually required of your services, where you're building a project on behalf of the client. And then you also named professional development. This is a really, really great example of that's one of the ways you can experiment. And I'm curious to hear your reflections of like, as you were experimenting, what were some of the things that you were learning? What was some of the data that you got back that then led you to how you started to narrow down in your business? So I I learned a lot and I have so many ideas that I want to get into, but I would say for myself, I reflecting, I really fell in love with so many different little parts of each of those and just making sense of how can I put these together, coaching and talking one-on-one with folks and really getting to the root of what's with their, their organizational issues and strategizing and coming up with ideas based on data was something that I really enjoy. And I learned that with project-based consulting, there needs to be a lot of a lot of direct communication up front to make sure mm. the project is not uh, up, which happens frequently and can happen a lot. It, that's something that I, I still would love would love project-based consulting, but there has to be more of a container and parameters that I, as the consultant, set to make sure that it makes a lot of sense for both of us. Mm. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's so good. So for folks who are listening, if you have questions as we're going throughout this conversation, drop those into the chat. I'm monitoring the chat to make sure that we get those answered. And so we already have one question. And um, first, someone just says, thank you for sharing. And then they ask, did you have to create a pilot program? And how were you able to show your expertise for consulting? Definitely. So I didn't create a pilot program, but I, I didn't create a pilot program, but 
And showing my expertise, it's something actually that on my website, I made a website, I kind of share alexandracorwin.com, and I just share kind of high level all the different things that I've done. I think I definitely, you know, as a woman of color, as someone who is, as, as we experience different kinds of microaggressions and racism, like, oh, like, what? You did that? How did you do that? That's a lot. Da, da, da. Like, kind of doubting. I've in the past felt the need to kind of just, like, share. I gave you a truncated version of it back there in my story, but there's so many other things and awards and accomplishments and scholarships and that, that I felt sometimes in the past that I just have to say it all so you know everything. But I found that if I just share kind of high level, that that's really kind of a kind of enough. And if people want to learn more about my backstory, then I can share more. But I kind of have moved past for myself the need to just prove myself so much because I think my work is really excellent and it also speaks for itself. Mm, come on. My work is excellent and it speaks for itself. Oh my goodness. Love that. So just to kind of stamp one thing apart of this question for the person who asks. So typically when you want to create a quote-unquote pilot program is when you would want to test a curriculum. And so that's really kind of the biggest attribute of your service that would then want lead you to considering a pilot program. So typically there are certain services that have that require a curriculum versus others. So like professional development and coaching, it could have a curriculum, but it doesn't require you to build a curriculum. But a small group coaching program or an online course like requires a curriculum. Those would be service models in which you would want to create some type of pilot program or beta group. So that way you can test and get some feedback. So that's a great question. Okay. So talk to us a little bit around how you, you built your clientele. And so You've already named for us that you've had a number of different contracts. Talk to us around some of the strategies that you use to find your first client and then the client, some of the other clients you had after that first one. When it started, word of mouth, definitely, by me just sharing with friends and folks, like, this is the work that I'm doing. Let If anyone's looking, tell them about me. Go on my website. <laughs> get my website in an hour with a template. And I just said, let me just go put myself out there, be visible. And in the past year or so, I've been on a few different podcasts from people just from people asking because they've seen me because I said yes to one public thing. And that's led to so many other public things and people seeing you and being visible, which I hadn't, I really didn't had no idea how much of a how much of a deep impact that that would make just putting yourself out there once will lead to so much more so mm-hmm. i tend to just put themselves out there in any way they can and share their gifts with the world in that way mm-hmm. and did you did you have any fears or reservations around doing that of putting yourself out there definitely uh, when i first started my business i got my website and it was, I don't think I featured myself so much in the website. I was maybe, to be honest, hiding behind my business name and my business website and saying, this is what we do. This is the business and, and not centering myself. But mm. over the past year, I've learned how important it is to center yourself in your business, to share your story, to share your values and how it connects to the business too. And really thinking of that as, as a gift. 
as a gift to the world to share your unique strengths and your unique you. And it's been a beautiful journey of even deeper self-love to do that. Mm. I I love this so much and want to just kind of sit in this for a second because this is one of the big, big obstacles and roadblocks for a lot of folks in terms of building their business is the visibility part and the mindset that comes, you know, the mindset you have to have in order to get visible, in order to put yourself out there, in order to not overly critique yourself and then start thinking about all the, how does my hair look? What am I wearing? How do I sound? And then all of a sudden you don't do the thing. And so like just naming that for our folks who are listening, what I just heard you name was this powerful reframe, which is one way to be able to address the mindset. It's a matter of repurposing the intent behind, behind your visibility. So the intent is in order for the problem that I'm solving through my business, in order for me to solve it, I have to make myself available to other people because the problem isn't going to be solved if people don't know about the solution. And I have the solution. So being, I heard you, you named this like flip of like seeing the visibility as an act of service by me making the choice to be visible and share my gifts and talents with the world and being transparent around what my gifts and talents are, it's actually an act of service. And so I think that's a really, really powerful way for folks to be able to recenter and kind of work through that mindset piece because it is hard. And the reality is, is you will not make a dollar in your business if people don't know about you. Mm -hmm. Point blank period. People have to know who you are in order for you to, to get business. Like you have to be comfortable talking about your business and showing up. So were there any other, so we talked a little bit just about like the, the visibility kind of mindset. Were there any other mindsets that you had to walk through or kind of work through in your journey? And if so, tell us about one or two of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to share this. I haven't shared this so much in a public format before, but I think it's so important too. Well, growing up, I was pretty comfortable economically as a kid, but as a teenager, my parents experienced a really severe reverse in fortune and we really struggled. And we were on food stamps. I had to do homework by candlelight, take showers at school, no hot water, no money for prom dress, day of prom, like a lot. So I've experienced for, for a good chunk of my life, deeply feeling the impact of poverty, being poor. And my mom, uh, bless her, she's amazing. She's not now um, anymore. Uh, but for a long time, when I was in school, she worked a minimum wage job, worked making eight hours, eight, $8 an hour, right? And so that was really hard. Um, I saw how hard mm. it was to make a dollar to work for one hour this, this is what that means. And so I want to share this because I really think it's important for folks who might have experienced something similar to here. And I think I had a really twisted understanding of how much money it takes to live and build a solid future for myself. Mm -hmm. I was around 23 and I was tutoring and I was making 40 bucks an hour. I was like, amazing. I made it. This is incredible. This is like four times as much as my mom makes. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe this so much. And, you know, and, and in so many other ways, that has been something that I've kind of been thinking about and focusing on. But 
just the understanding that that number goes up. I mean, that number goes up dramatically. And that doesn't mean that I'm greedy. And it doesn't mean that I'm rich now because I made uh, four figures in two hours. You know, that is not what that means. But it means that the abundance is there for me and there's more for me. And that's okay. And, and I really believe in the prices I set now. And they've, they've gone up ex- exceptionally. And just seeing what's out there and, and what can, um, how much something costs and how much I can, I can make is, has been a consistent track of my thing. Mm. Oh, first off, thank you for sharing um, your story. Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> because I think what oftentimes we underestimate in our entrepreneurial journey is the unconscious beliefs that we hold that actually were cultivated years ago in our childhood of our beliefs about money. First off, we all have beliefs around money. And those beliefs didn't happen yesterday, didn't happen last month or even last year. Like those beliefs are a result of whatever experiences we had growing up as a child. And so you gave us a really thoughtful and vulnerable example of how we observe an exchange of money, what it takes to earn money, the input versus the output, we start to unconsciously create rules around this is what I have to do in terms of input in order to create this output, or this is this is the max of an output that I would be able to earn. We start to unconsciously begin to create all of those rules as a child that people aren't, aren't articulating those beliefs, but that's from based off of what we see, we start to create those messages that oftentimes we can't articulate until we either like intentionally do some deep reflection and or for many entrepreneurs, it's when you start your business and you start to internally feel things when certain money things start to happen in your business. I would love for you just to share and I want you to share what you're comfortable sharing, but like, what are the like one to two examples just to make this real for people of like the, my, this mindset would have told me to do this, but because of what needs to be true for myself and my, and for my business, I actually had to do this thing differently. Totally. Well, when I think of each of us and I think of myself, I'm the product of so many years, so many people have invested in me, so much hard work, really, to so much education to be able to spend one hour with someone and share something with them and share knowledge with them and, and um, help their organization grow. I stopped thinking about it as that's just that one hour, but more thinking about it, what is the value that, that I bring? All those years, all that education, for me to culminate in this moment to be this woman in front of you. So I stepped away from the charging per hour and thinking more about charging for the value of the work that I bring and being really confident in that. Mm, Oh, this is so good. This is so good. And let me, let me name what I've observed the pattern in, in, in journey for folks just to be able to reflect back is that, so what you just named for us is Typically, most people would think, all right, if I'm doing a six-hour PD, I have an hourly rate times six, and then I might do 
you know, six hours of prep. So my hourly rate times that six hours of prep, add those two numbers together and that would be what I charge. And you might, you know, if you have some other expenses, supplies, whatever travel, you might have to add that in. But that would be a, a charging based upon an hourly rate. And what you just presented to us is a different approach to, to pricing is actually charging based upon the value that you're going to be delivering to your client. And so just to name for folks that are listening is that the goal for you and your business is you need to be charging. You need to have value-based charging. That's the goal. It's typically hard for people to start there because you're like, well, what is my value? <laughs> like, and then once you get an idea of your value, usually most people feel uncomfortable charging that where they're like, oh, I could charge this thing. So what I've observed as the journey, just to reflect back for people who are listening, is that typically what I see the pattern of, and this was my pattern, and I've seen this for a lot of clients, is they'll start with an hourly rate. And then as they start to build their confidence and get more data and experience in consulting in the marketplace, then they flip to a value-based rate. So I just named that in case someone is like, all right, well, then what would be my number? It's okay if you start with an hourly rate, but know that at some point you should be flipping to value-based pricing. And, and, and I do want to add that there might be some folks who, or organizations that are like, oh, that's not in our budget. That's not going to work. But don't let that get you down because that doesn't mean that that's not a great, you're the value that you bring. That's just not the best that doesn't fit your brain. Right. There are 10 other, for every no, there's so many others who will say yes. And you just got to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause that's the thing is when you do value-based pricing, you're going to get more expensive. Yeah. And so you, you got to be prepared to be expensive. You got to be prepared to share how expensive you are and you have to be prepared for the reactions for, for people who hear money differently than you, where, you know, today, when I hear $1,000, that to me is actually not expensive when I hear $1,000. But if you would have talked to me four or five years ago, I would have heard that as being very expensive, but not today. So I just named that, um, which I think is a great point, is that people hear money different and as you begin to get more and more expensive, you need to be prepared for how people hear money differently than you. All right. So this is the last call for questions. So if you have any, any final questions, go ahead and drop those into the chat. I'll make sure that those get answered. Talk to us around what brings you the most joy in your entrepreneurship journey. So actually, just to clarify for people, when you started your business, you were working full-time a nine-to-five and now you're full-time in your business, correct? Correct. So I think that's an interesting journey just, you know, because there's so many people who, well, let's, let's actually talk about that for a second. Was it hard for you to go full-time from a mindset standpoint? Because there's a lot of people who, there's a lot of fear associated with going full-time in their business. So did you feel a sense of fear? And if so, how did you overcome that? I think what was able to 
put the put the fear on, on the side is that I had a little bit of my husband was working, I had a little bit of savings and I knew that, hey, if my business completely fails, then I can find another way. I can get another I'm betting on myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I at that point I was really confident in betting on myself that mm-hmm. I was able to feel good about it and not mm-hmm. Mm. So I think that's a great point point for people to name and want to be really clear, like the marketing message for Get Launch Consulting. It's not, you know, we help you quit your job. That's not like our marketing message. But a part of one of our, our program promises that we track is helping you replace your income through your business. And so if you make $60,000 in your job, at minimum, we want to help you make $60,000 in your business. Now, we're not saying you got to leave your job because that's your business. That's not ours. But at minimum, we want you to be able to to have a compare and contrast and for you to be able to reach your fullest earning potential. What does it take you to make $60,000 in your business versus what does it take you to make $60,000 at your job? Because even having that experience is going to start shifting some of your expectations for how people treat you in your nine to five. That you're going you're gonna to notice, you're going to start advocating for yourself in a different way because you're no longer dependent on an organization financially. So I appreciate what you just named is the fact that it doesn't have to be this like, I decide tomorrow I'm going full-time, that you can create a strategic plan to build a safety net for yourself. So that way you can think strategically around what would it look like to build a financial cushion so that way I can I can give my best effort and bet on myself in my business and should things you know, if I have an outcome than intended, I'm still okay financially. I think that's a great advisement. All right. We got two questions and then we're going to wrap up. The first one is, what is a good target number of clients to have when starting a consulting business? So I'm, I'm just going to take a stab at this one. You don't need clients to start a business. Your business is started the moment you decide you want to start. So it's, it's part of that is a mindset shift. If you become a business, the moment you decide that you're a business, and then that's what actually is required to attract the clients. Your first client wants to know that you are already a business, not that will I become one when I get my first client. And so just, I think that's a a, a key opportunity to shift there. Um, And then Deanna asked, what do you think is the most important factor in becoming a client magnet? That's such a good, I love that terminology. What's the most important factor in becoming a client magnet? What would you say? First of all, knowing what your values are and being able to explain them easily and then holding uh, the boundaries for your values. Being very clear and transparent about that in your messaging on your website, when you interact with clients, share what will fly, what won't fly. Um, and I found that clients really do like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And I'm able to connect with clients that are, that are the best fit. Because at the end of the day, I want to work with people who are values aligned to the work that I do. That's why I'm in this work. And it's just been a win-win when you're very clear on that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I was having similar thoughts around your messaging, which which is is a, a prong of your marketing strategy. But having such clear messaging is what's going to position you to attract your target client. So part of your messaging is you have to be really clear on who you serve. And when I say who you serve, it's not just 
their job title or, you know, you can't just say I serve teachers or I do DE and I work. You have to fall in love with the problem that you're solving in your business. So when it comes to your messaging, you have to speak the language of your target client. So that's where market research becomes really, really important. Becoming a client magnet means you have to have really strong and consistent messaging to who you serve. So quick example, in Get Launch Consulting and my messaging, I would never use the word funnel, right? Even though that's a a business term you need to know, but my target client doesn't use the word funnel. (laughs) What they say is, how do I get more clients? Well, you actually need a funnel, but because that's not a, a, a word that they use, I would never include that in my marketing message because that's not the language that my client uses. And so that's where market research comes into play. Everybody wants to know how to get more clients, but they won't say, teach me you know, how to build my funnel. So that's just a, a quick example. And then the, the second, the last thing that I would just name here is to becoming a client magnet is you have to deliver quality work. Like when you do good work, people will want to renew their contracts. They want to tell other people, they want to refer you. You have to do great work. And and just by simply delivering and slaying at every contract, you're going to notice you're going to build momentum in your business because doing great work is also what's going to attract other clients. All right, Alexandra, what, what advice would you have for other educators who are in this early stage or maybe they're like, should I do it? Should I not do it? I want to start an education consulting business, but I'm not sure. What advice would you have? Okay, a few things. Number one, set aside time every day uh, where you're reading books about business, reading blog posts, following your amazing content, Dr. EJT. Like, seriously, you're always posting. I learned so much from you. Like, that, because it's such a learning curve. You have all the skills and you have your product and what you're going to sell, but the business side, you got to get, you got to get good at that. So seriously invest in your learning, invest money in your learning, invest time in your learning, all about business. Number two, be wary of advice that tells you not to talk about money or numbers with clients that I actually got that advice a lot. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Different business, different business professionals, but so think talking numbers, it's too salesy. That's the wrong advice. So Mm. listen to what Dr. EJP says about talking about money and, and all of that. That's so important. And then I would say not to treat like the first paycheck that you get to look at it and go, oh my goodness, maybe it's four figures. This is all profit. Like, oh, that's amazing. It's not all, it's not all profit. And that's okay because you need to invest it back into your business. And that needs to be a non-negotiable. Read the book Profit First that you recommended. And that's where I learned all these great books that I've learned so much. And join entrepreneurial communities, right? Like the community that you have, the Facebook group you have, awesome. I mean, people are keeping it very honest, very, very real. Join that. And then the last one is don't feel like you need to spend months and months perfecting a website or your image, your a picture or figuring that out. You know, just go tonight, buy a website with your name on it and do one of those templates, make it cute, spend an hour on it and put it out there. And that would be my advice. Mm-hmm. You just dropped tons of gems. Thank oh my you. gosh. So, so, 
this is so good. It's so quick follow-up question of when you say invest, it, your first check is not all profit, which is a total gem. And to invest it back in your business, what are one to two things that you would invest back into your business? I would invest professional development back into your business. And honestly, like a lot of the, a lot of the, when I think of my profit margins and like how they've gone up, I think about the time that, you know, you and I spent together and I just got an hour like picking your brain. I'm like, oh my God, so much wisdom, so many gems. And so invest in your learning and your own professional development with, um, with who've done it all already. And then another thing is that invest in your time and thinking about like high strategy and high level things that only you can do. For me personally, messing around with ConvertKit, a lot of these different things, it, it takes a lot of my time and it's not my area of strength. And it, I'm spending hours doing that as opposed to really thinking of like things that only I can do. So once you have more of that, you got that first check, invest some of it back into more time for yourself to do the high level, to do thinking that only you can do and pay well, someone well for the labor that they can do that they're an expert in. Mm. Ooh, this is so good. So good. Two quick things that I'm going to stamp and then we're going to wrap up is I heard you in so many words telling people to stop doing the fancy busy work. And I actually think that's the way that people self-sabotage is they spend all this time trying to perfect a website when actually they're just trying to build a website that will convince them that they're finally ready to get a contract when it's like you're wasting time and you're losing money. And actually here's, 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 here's a secret, okay? You actually really don't need a website as a sales generating tool until after you hit the consistent four-figure mark per month. So like your first couple of four-figure months actually probably won't come from that website. Like the website is for people who don't know you yet. You can get your first few contracts, your first few four-figure months from people in your network who don't need your website to get to know you because they already know you. It's just a matter of them making the connections, hopping on the phone, all that stuff. So I love that advice of like, if, if you want the website now, just, just get a template, just do it. Like just put something together and put it out there in the world. And, and rather than letting it to consume you and you're, it's actually a roadblock of you progressing and moving forward. Erica just put one year in and I still don't have a website. Okay. Like I'm trying to tell folks like you, you, you don't need a website in the, the, the early stage of your business to bring in revenue. A website is actually a sales tool. And then that, that type of sales tool and system is actually not critical until you get to a consistent four figure approaching five figure mark. How can people get in contact with you and who should contact you or anything coming up in your business you want to share? I'm excited that you said that. Please follow me. I'm creating today 92. Follow me. I'm going to be posting more. And follow me on my website, alexandracorwin.com. Sign up for my newsletter. Um, I'm going to be sharing some exciting updates and a new uh, part of my business that I'm launching that will really focus on leadership development that's values-based and being a, being a manager and focusing on that really well um, and bringing your values. 
to, to leadership work. So I'm excited for that. So follow me and I'll keep you posted on more on my newsletter. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for your business. I feel like every time I talk to you, there's like a new contract, a new client, like a new something that like, I think it just speaks to your work. It speaks to what happens when you bet on yourself and believing within yourself. And so just sharing immense gratitude for you. And so you all show Alexandra some hearts, drop some love in the chat for her, for her taking some time out this evening to be able to share her journey. Thank you all for joining us.